Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Uh, guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have a special guest. My main man, the one, the only, Tony Lilios. Welcome to the house, brother. Paired with unicorns and all. Oh, man. <laughs> guys, uh, those of you who know the show know that we're about two things, those who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world, and my friend Tony is doing both those things. So, man, I'm so pumped to have you here. I've been looking forward to this for months and months, and finally, here we are. Woo! You ready to chop it up? I am, man. Super I saw. I've, I, I'm. I'm well rested. I've. I've been on the road the last couple of weeks, so I haven't done any shows. And I'm. And I'm like. I came home and I'm like, oh, I got Tony Lilio show this week. So, um, do you mind if I give a little bit of background on how we know each other? And then I'd love to do your formal bio if you don't mind. Yeah, just leave that little naked backroom story out of the. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, it was passionate. <laughs> It's passionate, but let's keep that part of passion out of this story. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking about the greatness machine here. Come on. Um, so, guys, uh, Tony and I, we met through uh, Gathering of Titans. Uh, he and I are, uh, as you guys know, I talk about this on the show a lot. Uh, I'm in a, a really badass program up at MIT. I'm actually chairing it this year. And I met Tony uh, early, early in my early days. Uh, and he And he and I really hit it off. Uh, turned out that he had exited his business, which was a pretty incredible company called Spec that many of you probably know and love, and was doing integral leadership. And he asked me a question. He's like, "Oh, have you done Stegen? You know, do you know Stegen?" And, and I was like, "We're on a bus ride back from an event, and we got to talking, and I learned all about this program called Stegen, which, which uh, I have now since I, I have now since gone through, and he and he has gone through at the time, and so." Um, yeah, man, it's 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 been a kind of an interesting road, and that was actually one of it was my introduction to that program. But but I figured out pretty quickly that that Tony and I had had a couple things in common. Uh, first of all, we're both conscious capitalists. Uh, we do believe believe in, in in the power of business leaders elevating themselves 
to you know create greatness in the world and but but do good while while creating greatness uh, while doing good in their businesses and so i saw that we have that in common and and uh and man i'm just so pumped to have you here and to talk about all the things that you're up to man it's, uh, first of all i want to thank you for introducing me to staking because it did change my life so thank you for that tony appreciate That's that awesome. much, man yeah and the thing i think you don't know uh, maybe is uh i'm deeper in with staking now so i'm uh, i'm coaching with staking now oh so, I, did, I did not know that, didn't know that. yeah so um yeah I just talked to our friend Doug Irwin about that this week and he was like, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm loving that. Just really deepening uh, the connection with conscious capitalism and the Stegen um, path, that community, um, both the, all the stakeholders, the folks in Stegen and the team there. I'm just, I'm loving um, being a part of that. That's, that's great. So, that's so cool. So, so you're, are you uh, coaching ILP? You got it. Awesome. Um, I do want to give some your your former intro. So, guys, uh, Tony Lilios is a certified integral coach, as we just heard. He's one of the coaches at Stegen now, uh, bringing forth his world his worlds of being an entrepreneur, designer, and endurance athlete, serving others looking to invest in creating new possibilities. He works with individuals, small teams looking to unlock more possibilities when feeling stuck. And his most productive relationships are with clients that have tried to address what isn't working or what they aspire towards and have come short. Uh, have come up short and uh, we're gonna be talking a lot around um, core values today and around the integral leadership work. I'd love if you would give like, because you know, yeah, baby. And, and, and Tony, it was funny when I sent my, uh, you guys uh, don't know this, but I send, unless you're really watching my social media, I, um, I always send my, my guests a love bomb. It's, it's a, be a pink unicorn box and his kids were debating it in there and <laughs> they got it and they're debating the unicorns in their in his car and he sent me a video of it i was like man this is so badass so i i really appreciated that and obviously you're wearing the the karate kid uh inspired uh headband which is my unicorn uh, uh headband but um i'd love for you to take a step back before we get into how you got into what you're doing now i mean you 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 and your partner built a pretty ridiculous company in spec dude, and and you were i know you were working with with uh ido before that is that correct yep. so so if you don't mind give us some background because i know this is all kind of born out of like silicon valley palo alto stanford could you mind kind of taking us to your origin story and give us some background and then we could get into you know what you're doing nowadays yeah so we were at ido um me and my two partners three partners at the time actually and um uh, we were kind of hired guns. You know, IDEO is a consulting firm. We're being paid hourly to solve other people's problems. And business-wise, we felt like we weren't really fully um, uh, on the bus, the same bus heading in the same direction as clients. Like we're, we're incentivized to crank hours and they're incentivized for us to develop a product that's going to kill it. And, and that really, we had no connection to that as consultants. And I felt like uh, we felt like it was just, there was a disconnect there. So we started spec with the intention of uh, getting better alignment of the people who are actually designing products who are in the kind of in the trenches and the companies as a consultant, let's get you us all aligned that we all win when we all win. And we were like, and when we come up short, we want to feel that pain too. Um, so we tried a bunch of different business models um, and that I won't go down the rabbit hole of all the things we tried because there were a lot of failures and there are some great like failures and then like, oh my gosh, five years later, that wasn't a failure. It like suddenly circled around we're like, oh, home run. Um, but eventually we decided that 
we needed to have our own companies. We couldn't really continue to function as a consultant uh, and help other companies and really kind of fully align. Um, so we spun off the consulting firm and then started our own businesses. And so Spec, the case company, is one of four companies that we ended up spinning off. Um, and I think it's also worthy in that kind of origin story to mention, there was a company that we started called Simple Devices in there, which was doing streaming media um, to a variety of devices, like to your car and to your home and stuff. And this was before there was even a Wi-Fi standard. So Home wow. RF was out there. Was all, so we were like so in the future, but we couldn't even, but the building blocks weren't even there. You know, we're talking a real player. There was just all kinds of fragmentation in the market and we thought we could pull it together. And I've, we found that a lot of our early company and ideas, we were just too far. We were just too far ahead of ourselves. Some of our patents were just too forward looking. Um, and we were just too small to like connect all those dots. And so that was um, kind of a big lesson for us. So uh, spec um, came about in that, and we were doing a lot of work with Dell and Apple, and we kind of had visions of the, we could see through our consulting work products that were coming out. Um, and companies like Apple and Dell were like, we're happy to have a, a robust third-party market for accessories when we launch products and they want that. And we thought we were like stealing their bacon by doing that. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like we want to sell the core product, but if you got great accessories, that makes our core product look great. And so we're like, oh, well, we're designing these core products for you. We'd love to do some accessories. And so that's got us into this accessory market. Um, and, uh, you know, with the iPod really taking off. And the thing that we never really tooted is we were the, 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 uh, the origin, you know, the beginners of the hard cases before us, we were kind of in this messy market of, uh, a little bit of leather cases, a little bit of rubber cases, um, but really going whole hog into the cost and commitment that it takes to go into hard cases. Uh, we were the first ones out there and we kind of made that market. Um, we did it for phones. We did it for um, laptops and then um, kind of grew that people came in It became a big market. And then what happened with us is once we got kind of, we kind of plateaued. Do we want to get specific with numbers or not really? Oh, I, I, I love numbers, but if you're willing to share them, sure. Yeah, yeah. So we were around like 150 million for several years um, and kind of was plateauing. And what was happening was, is as we kind of got into the nooks and crannies, the long tail of the market, it just got so expensive for us to get into that store in, you know, in Iran or that place in Poland. And like, it just got harder and harder and more expensive. So we, and we'd lose stuff along the way too. So we just couldn't keep it kicking up. So we eventually sold to Samsonite who already had those relationships, those district, that distribution channel where it's just like, they can just like flick the light switch on and like, boom, you know, specs. Right. And so we, uh, came to that place where we're like, it's just too easy. We're too valuable for someone like Samsonite who can just flick the light switch on and make it happen. And so that's where like, after so many years of just plateauing and going, we're, we're not busting through here. Um, that's where we said, you know, let's hand it off to those guys and, and let them shepherd it forward. How did you help? So it's funny. Um, my last business kind of plateaued and that was when I wanted, uh, that was actually when I wanted to raise capital and, and, and it was, uh, it's a long story, but but we were uh, we were pretty close to where you were at, a, a little bit above it. But um, what what? How long were you guys stuck at that one fifty four? 
three, maybe four years. It was probably 120 to 150 for four years. It's a, it, interesting. Like when you're on your, like, like how did you feel the first time you had hit a hundred, by the way? Cause I, I remember oh the first, we were celebrating. Uh, there was this one, one year where I just started getting crazy where uh, monthly uh, revenues were like just going crazy. And so, so like, we hit 6 million and I remember like, you know, we gave everyone in the company something that had to do with six and then seven, then eight. I remember magic eight balls. Everyone got magic eight balls for, for eight. And so when we hit 10 million a month, that was like, Oh wait, this game is getting a little, we got a little crazy, <laughs> you know? And honestly, I mean, the real truth of it is that, and that's part of the, the success formula with spec is that we incentivize, we brought, very competent people on as we were growing people who like knew what they were doing at these stages stages and really kind of gave them the reins. So we would give them direction. Uh, we had an amazing CEO that we brought in at one point, Irene Barron. Um, and so my point, where am I going with this is that, um, ah, so these numbers get kind of big. And so you're like, I have the institutional, the embodied remembrance of when this thing was like a shoestring and that, sometimes would hold back my thinking. And so it was so great to have people who worked with us for us um, that these were like non-flinching numbers. So they are like, you know, like, Oh my God, there's another zero. You know, like it was like intimidating um, sometimes for me, but it was, we built this environment where it was so normal for the people we were working with. It helped kind of like, okay, calm your giggles down and like, let's get back to business. And this is what we're going to be doing here. So I think um, it was really great not to have to just kind of get through that on our own. There were just people who were like, sit down, buddy. It's going to be okay. Like I've done this before, or, you know? And so yeah. that, that, that was really helpful. It was kind of a very virtuous cycle of the, the people's, you know, because some of these people who had done this before, had done this like as passengers in other companies. And now they're like, oh, we get to be leaders and do this. Like, so they right. were getting the mojo out of it. wasn't just like sleepwalking for them. So there was this yeah. real virtuous cycle of like, we're all like, like getting to kill it. Um, and it's like, they saw the value in us and we saw the value in them, but we, it was a perfect kind of yin yangy kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, I love that in that, you know, and I don't know if this is, well, if this is a Stegen quote. This is a Rand quote, which is, you know, with the leadership goes the organization, right? So, so to your point, you know, you cannot become that organization unless the leaders there are the leaders that are going to lead that type of organization. Sometimes you can do that organically yourself, right? Uh, and sometimes you're doing a combination of yourself and bringing in others. It sounds like you guys were successful in the latter uh, in yep. bringing in people who had done it, plus you yourself leveling up to be the leaders that needed to help make shepherd that into fruition. Absolutely. Um, and you can go back to our, you know, the Wayback Machine and look at the first spec, it was spec design uh, website. And our first kind of thing had a fancy animated GIF on it. We, were, we thought we were so clever. Um, but it was all about having no ego. Um, we didn't name the company after ourselves. And so we knew in our growth, um, we were always kind of very attentive of where, where, where are our real capabilities and where's our edge and push our edge, but not to kind of, to, but to be clear about that. Um, and that was kind of, I felt like a, a part of our special sauce. Cause when we started as a design consulting firm, a lot of those are very ego driven. Your name's on the door. 
um, and it's people are coming for you. So then there's this paranoia of like, I've hired people that my name is like associated, like my name is associated yeah. with that. This is product. my name on that door. Yeah, you better not screw it up, you know? And so, um, <laughs> so there's a paranoia, you know? Um, and I, you know, a good friend of mine, Alexis Batard does like jewelry and, uh, he sold that company. And like, I think it was crazy that like, he sold his company with his name on the door. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so crazy for the rest of the, like for eternity, your name is going to be floating around in the world without you having any Someone input. Owns it. your name, sir. Totally. <laughs> you don't yeah. own your own name. <laughs> the Halston movie that's on Netflix now kind of shows that well too. Oh, so yeah. it, we knew we didn't want to connect that. And so, that also freed us to kind of bring in leadership more easily because it wasn't us. There was always this other. Um, so as our partners, like even like when we would hit our valleys and we'd go up and down, it was so an amazing relationship with me and my partners where whenever the valleys hit, none of us got kind of land grabby of like, I need to protect my own butt. Um, no blaming, like you caused this valley, so it's your fault. So I'm thus going to do that. We always had the, and there were multiple valleys. There yeah, was always yeah. a sense of this thing that we're connected with, that thing. I always had this visual. Uh, we're all tied to the string of this thing spec between us. And that rocket ship, we need to get that collectively, that rocket ship off the ground, and it will pull us up with it. So our attention was always like, what can we do for it? and then let it go and then everything will be good so what? it was what? great so so so, so oh shoot oh shoot echo, echo, there. echo there is that on my side on my side i don't know i didn't hear it huh let's let me make sure is that gone now all right i don't echo. hear it yeah okay. echo's gone all right that's good uh sorry uh, this episode is brought to you by shopify in the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius.
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Uh, so so back to, uh, so you guys sold, so you, so yeah, I, I, I first of all, what we're talking about the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you guys described is that's the winning formula for a, a partnership, and it's rare. I mean, partnerships generally don't work out, right? That's that. Like all good partnerships come to an end. The question is, is it a happy ending or not, right? Do you? And in your guys' case, you guys did end from with an acquisition, which I would say is a happy ending, right? It was a happy ending. Not all acquisitions are happy endings, but this was a happy ending. Uh, let me push back on that and challenge you in two ways. <clears throat> um, one, uh, I don't know if you remember this data. It was shared with us at uh, Birthing the Giants, um, like the original one, where someone spoke, a professor from, I want to say MIT, um, where he was saying that, and this is after we were going, obviously, because I'm in BOG, but the data was showing that uh, companies are more successful and more likely to be successful with the, the increasing numbers of co-founders, at least correlated up to four. So at that time, the data he was saying was one, two, three, four, or you know, up to four, um, more likely to be successful, meaning we're going to be in business five years later from when they started and more a higher degree of success. And so the, the, the kicker is higher and the, other amplifier is if one of the founders is a salesperson, um, that also is a, a correlate. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because everyone that that what you just said is what I hear. And I wonder if there's a, a selection bias thing there where it's like when partnerships go bad, <laughs> they're there. Uh, we've got fireworks. We've got stories for days. So I wonder um, that. I also I, you, to... you know, you know, I, you know, I would layer into that, and I would be curious what the data says. Is I would actually agree with that if it's equal partnership. I think uh -huh, that yeah. so, so, I and maybe that's where I, and maybe that's where my. I think that if you do not have equal partnership with with a with a partnership group, I think that is what destroys partnerships because it's yeah. really hard to align incentives. If there is not a equal incentive to for for the end result, so I'll use an example. Oh, got you upside down. There, there you are. Um, so yeah, I think I, I do think it is 
around i think that there is probably variables around control and uh, and and how you win right because yeah if it's all equal partnerships i think that everyone's kind of aligned right and yeah, when I, that's an interesting i wonder how that data that would layer in because that was our situation we were equal partnerships and in fact um that was something else i wanted to share about what i felt was our winning formula is when we incorporated you get your standard like you've never done this before you don't know what you're doing you get from the lawyers your uh, articles of incorporation you know like this is how this is boilerplate this is how this is how the world works kids you know and you get this thing and you learn about like voting rights and you know super majority and this and we were like this was four of us at this time and we're like this is weird like we never like we have to hold votes and board meetings and yeah. what this is governance governance and so we were like okay so three of us were like this is bs and one of us ryan was like this is the way the world works people like like wake up and smell the coffee so we said okay the three of us as a super majority are voting to change the bylaws to make it a unanimous decision uh going forth we're going to change the bylaws to say that and so we did that and we said now ryan how does that feel like we just like We've never made a decision like that. The three of us agree to something. We're just going to like, boom, trump you and smack you down. Like, how does that feel? Do you have some resentment to this? Are you going to be looking over your shoulder? Like, yeah. And so we did change the bylaws. But more importantly, we continued to operate as we had been until we got the bylaws like handed to us uh, by the lawyers. And what that was is that we had, we knew we had mutual respect for each other. We knew we we, and we knew we had shortcomings. And so what would happen is when decisions were made and there was uh, dissension, the people, the minority group, the single person that was out was kind of charged with like, oh, wow, I've got to like convince, I've got to like lay, at, lay it out. Like I got to get some clarity here for these folks. And if I can't get them to see what me, then I just suspend my like... I can let go of my belief of it's my way and they see something that I don't see. And I let go. I join in, we go forward. And literally it sounds like, Oh really? That's the way it works. Like you don't harbor this. It does. And so, I mean, literally so much so that we would go forward and like, we'd hit a Valley and we'd have this, like, we talked about this. Yeah. Some one of us was against this. Like we, we, I told I, you, I told you guys that we were going to get fucking crushed. No, oh. zero. I'm oh, honest. Oh, really? oh cause they're like, how, you, cause, cause they're like, they hey, hey, we all agreed. We agreed to we go agreed. forward. So we once you it. agreed, you're enrolled and you literally forget the, the argument is for the sake of the moment to decide what's best. And what's best is something that I didn't think was best, but now we collectively, you get like assimilated into this best decision so that you go forward and then you you can that's a haunting like little like gurgling memory but you literally can't remember like was i the one or was it you like, well you know you we know don't, I, we don't I think that, that's part of the dynamic i just discussed before so let's just say ryan was the majority shareholder that could trump all three of your votes and right. let's say you got three said we don't want to do this and he said fuck you you're doing it and then it didn't work then you yes. would have been like yeah motherfucker i told you it wasn't going to work I remember that. I'll remember that. You know, you yeah. know, it's like you're like, dude, really? Every time, right? So I, I do think yeah, that like those so there was like a like, you know, where EO talks about clearing. It's like we had this natural clearing right. that would happen at every decision point 
to the, the we could just remember we cleared but we can't even remember what the clearing what happened because we got clear and so the description the situation you're describing is you're so not clear you're like there's like a resentment weight being slugged through the mud as you move forward which yep, i yep. wonder like does that affect the outcome like it's like it, it has to affect enrollment you know yeah yeah it, i i i yeah I, I of course it does right because if people are not 100 percent, dude it's hard to win in business half of business is luck and the other half is like working your ass off to iterate to make it work yeah right? And so the, I, we only knew our own experience, but only when I would talk to other entrepreneurs did I realize that it was unusual to not talk about the past very much. Like we did not like harbor resentment. There was literally like shit hitting the fan. How are we getting out of this? Shit hitting the fan. How do we get out of this? Shit hitting the fan. What do we have to get us out of this? Like there was no like, well, I mean, there was some degree of like calculate, like what got us here, like maybe what we wouldn't want to do again. So there's not like we're not learning from not learning from not not learning from our mistakes. But um, but it was kind of limited to like, let's learn from our mistakes so we can be strategic and thoughtful moving forward. That felt natural and normal for us because that's how we organize and that's who we were. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that was so nice. Because I actually realize that I have low tolerance for that now. I have like developed this with my partners. This is how we work. And when I'm in other kind of structures that have kind of blaming going on and, you know, this, the power struggles that you're talking about, I'm like, Psst. yeah, no, no patience for it. <laughs> and I feel like it's because I haven't developed the skill. Like some people have, that's their normal, you know, that's their, um, you know, that's what that's the soup they've been swimming in and they've developed skills. I feel like also having lack of alignment, um, like when you're the leader of your company, you you can bring alignment, you can make alignment happen. Like that's part of like with core values and all of this. When I'm like in volunteer situations, when I'm kind of on boards where I didn't hire these people, I didn't choose my peers. And when there's, I'm I feel under-resourced, unskillful, of navigating that murky world where like, Oh, these aren't all people that I put in the chairs. Like, yeah, and I yeah. don't, it's like, it's kind of foreign to me, but I'm like other people do this all the time and they can skillfully navigate that. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, yeah. um, I'd love to, I'd love, I'd love to, uh, we got, we got about 20 minutes. I, I want to move on to, you know, the exit, you know, you exited and then you got into this world of integral coaching. Um, do you mind kind of walking us through that? And then we, and I know you and I have some really cool stuff to talk about regarding, you know, where you're at right now with the tools that you're using as an integral coach, but yeah, tell us how you, you transitioned from, you know, you sold the business and then you made this really amazing transition into integral coaching. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So the, like you, in the intro, you mentioned Sagan. So I was in the Sagan ILP program as a client going through that. And um, it's a little hyperbolic the way I'm saying, I'll say this, but it's, there's a thread of truth. It's like, I'm getting this coach from um, Nathaniel Chalkin, you know, mixed oh, martial Nathaniel, arts. What's your, what's your coach? Yeah. So oh, like, I didn't, I didn't so like right, cool. dude, you're a mixed martial artist. You're a, a classical pianist, you know, you're like deep into meditation. Like, what do you got for me? I'm being hyperbolic, but a little bit, it was like, I don't know about this coaching thing. Like, how's this going to work for me? Um, and so having a year of like, Oh, 
I get this. Like, this is like, that was Ninja. Um, you know, I still have a great relationship with Nathaniel. That inspired me to, to kind of, okay, as we're close, you know, s- closing my relationships, closing that chapter of multiple companies and selling them off. I was like, this coaching thing, integral coaching for me really felt like, oh, this is, this feels very me. And so versus with a lot of our peers have gone into business coaching, which is very tactical and practical. And, you know, it's very like scaling up, like we're going to like tell you how to grow and this is how it is. Integral coaching kind of addresses like the whole person's like you're, you know, they're the whole ecosystem. It's, it's all kind of connected and acknowledging that and kind of allowing it to grow together. I was like, yeah, because what was happening for me is as an endurance athlete, that I like flicked on a switch in 2009, 2010 of doing this stuff. Um, I was like, wow, it was so cool to see as my development was kind of, as it was pushing boundaries in this physical domain, stuff was happening in other parts of my life too. And I was like, how is that connected? How is this oozing? What's the common thread? And I was like, oh, I'm the common thread. Like as my development goes over here, it's all kind of connecting. And so that's what, integral coaching kind of coaches to the whole person in all these domains, because sometimes it feels like an outsider might be like, that's so irrelevant. Why are you coaching over here? And it's like, well, no, no, no. They're skill building their experience. They're kind of shape shifting in this one area and it oozes out into other parts of their life. And that's who they become. And so I was experiencing that and I was like, I'd like to learn how to do this more skillfully for myself and to how to shepherd others kind of through this and uh, um, became an integral coach offering this for others. And then full circle um, at a stake and reunion told Lisa there, Hey, you know what? I'm doing this now. I would love to come back into the fold of Stegen. Um, and then a year and a half ago or so started. I mean, and that, that was like three years ago. And then a year and a half ago have been, um, uh, d- doing my own work and uh, working within the staking context as well, which I'm nice. loving. Part of me is like, you know, you're an employee or you're, you know, there's like an ego thing of like, oh, you're underneath something. And I'm like, there's like zero issue for me. I'm like, this organization is like, so um, it's, there's a generous culture and a really uh, noble kind of direction they're heading in. Yeah. So I'm like, I love being on the bus with these guys. I, I mean, I really love it. It's like, it's so cool. Um, and so I'm still like, oh man, am I in the honeymoon phase? You know, like a year and a half later, whatever, maybe. Um, but it feels really good. I love working with Rand and his team there. Yeah, he he's he's such a such a stud and such a mentor and and yeah, I mean I graduated in February of nineteen and and he and I have gotten closer since then and and it, to your point, noble I think noble is the right word. It's a noble cause because I do think that there, we're solving. There's there's some really big problems in the world that are that are continuing to grow and and this feels like a solution, you know, mm-hmm. to the problems of the world, which is it's kind of a that that is a noble cause. Like the world's heading yeah. in, down a path, you know, to Rand's point, we have level five problems and level three leaders. And, you know, when you look at what Stegen promotes, it's this idea of level five leadership and, you know, leveling people up and this integral mindset. And I'm, I'm a huge fan and and believer and student. So it's, I'm, I'm, and he's opened it up. So like post 19, there was this kind of like pre 19, there was this like 
oh, let's, it's a secret club and you have to be nominated and you, you only find out about it if you happen to find out about it and, you know, it will find you. Um, so that kind of worked for a bit and it was kind of organic. And now there's a much more concerted effort of like, dude, we've got the goods. Like, how dare you not share that? Like, that's yeah. like, that's squandering. That's like hoarding. Like, it feels right. like. It's like at some point it becomes like that's creepy, dude. Like open the front door, like let people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the secret cool club is now um, it's on a path for much more um, expansion and uh, connection with a wider pool of people, which I'm loving. Totally. Uh, so I, what's funny is for me is I was on this core value kick long before I got Stegen. I had mm -hmm. been like experiment. I mean, I got introduced to it at BOG in 06. I had been experimenting with it heavily from 08 on. And then I had successfully built a hardcore value driven organization starting in 13 and going from there. And then, and then got into Stegen in 19. So when I got to Stegen, I'm like, I was, you know, <laughs> At that point, 13 years deep into core values, you know, like as like my main like tool de jour, you know, like I the, and so it was fun. And like I've actually like kind of debated Rand about some of uh, our different beliefs around leveraging tool that that is a tool, and it's been right. fun uh, doing it. Now the book's out, and and so you you know what's funny what what prompted me to you know besides you just being an incredible person wanting you to be on the show was you had posted something online around this idea of what, you know, how, what, why, and the who is the deeper part, like who you are and values are the personality of an organization or, and they're your, you know, as a, one of my co uh, friends who's a coach, Robert Ellis says, it's the essence of the organization or essence of the person. person. Uh, that's a, a Doug Irwin coaches with him. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I know you wanted to, to, to kind of chop that up and talk a little bit about around people, how they leverage values. And I'd love to get some of your feedback on how you've, how you're using that in your coaching and some of your questions and or thoughts I know that, that you yeah. had that you wanted to dive into. Yeah. So there's some of that stuff of that circle stuff. So we got the, you know, the Simon Sinek, the, you know, what you're doing, how you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and the who was kind of, I felt like, Oh, there's kind of who the people are um, like who they're being um, their, their core values, who they are is sometimes I feel like under, valued it's under thought through and it's interesting what was coming up to me when i kind of posted that thing is like when we look well, let me just like cut to the chase when we look to the future the future is so unknown like we um the outcomes you know what we're going to accomplish is very unknown but who we are is actually the closest thing we can know about the future who's on the bus who are those people what are their values like if you like that is the um, the most control you have is like, you know, seeing them and who they are and who they're being that those are that's what's going to propel you all the way through. And those are the people you're going to end up with. It's not they're suddenly going to be magically different core valued people at the end of this. No. And so so that's the so when you're when you're doing your planning, when you're figuring out the future. Could you just for a moment take real good stock of who are we? Who's doing this? Not just who we are as an organization, but the people. Like I think it's important to understand the leaders and who they are and what they stand for. Um, and not in an aspirational, it sounds good on a sticky note up there, but like 
I want to know you. Um, and because this is how we're going to make decisions is how we're going to get through all this. You know, we can lay down all these plans and it's these, these are the tools that, you know, these are the resources that are going to pull us through. Um, so having that being known. And so I think, um, it's surprising the number of organizations that don't spend a lot of time on the company's core values or even like with Stegen, like where you get people to do their own core values. Like let's understand the distinction there of like, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's kind of closer alignment, but sometimes leaders that are in organizations might be misaligned and like, let's know that and let's like be with that. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's a space there to better understand that. Yeah, I, I I think so. What I've come to, to the conclusion of is, and it goes back to the first comment was with with the leadership goes the organization, right? So to your point, there's this intentionality around values that I think people check the box. Like, oh, hey, we got to have mission, vision, values. Check the box, and then I say it's BAU, business as usual. Go back to work, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the definition of core values, if you look it up in the dictionary, is the fundamental beliefs of a person or organization. You know, Vern calls it the personality of an organization. Uh, Robert, as I said, the essence of the organization. It, but if it is the fundamental beliefs, the most important beliefs of a person or organization, how can you not be as intentional as possible? Because the beliefs drive the behavior. The behavior creates the results of the, or, the actions, which leads to the results of the organization. And and so I look at that and I go, and, and I was just, so I, I've just I've been on the road a lot doing core value rollouts with my because mm -hmm. I, yep. I have cli I have clients now, uh, coaching clients, and um. And I tell, I say, raise your hand. I say, raise your hand. I said, raise your hand if you know like the most your most important belief. What's the most important thing you stand for as a human being? And then like everyone raises their hand. It's like honesty, loyalty, faith. You know, I'm giving the popular ones. And I go, what's your number four core value? <laughs> right? <laughs> nice, that's right? a good one. Right, and, and and they're like, I'm like, you don't know because you haven't done the work. But it's your number four core value, man. Like like that's a that's up there. That's, that drives a ton of your behavior. Take that leg off the chair and you're not going to be a happy camper. You yeah, know? I didn't say you're number 24. I said, tell, Four. Me, tell me number three. You know, <laughs> one or two, everyone intuitively knows. Number three is where, which by the way, three you use literally all the time. It's just like, it's just slightly below integrity and faith. Mm -hmm. Is it courage or is it adventurous? Is it love or is it happiness? Because they all mean different things and they all they all drive different behavior. So yeah. I, I I think that that's that's where I think that there's a lot huge opportunity is for people to yeah. really understand. Because if you look at um, Built to Last by Collins, he says if when they studied the visionary organizations, he said they stand for no less than three and no more than seven. And most of them, it's around four or five, right? And I and so I always push people to say, what are the four or five things that matter to you? Because those are the things you do almost all the time every day. You know yeah. what I mean? The push for me to, so this always, every time I bring it up in environments, people get like, did he just say that? And um, core values for me, uh, well, I'll just say, uh, there, you hire and you hire and fire to it. So the word fire is like, what do you mean? Fire? Uh, 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 and everyone gets panicked. And I'm like, no, no, no. Core values, if you don't fit, you shouldn't be in there. And that was yeah. an accident that they didn't. So I'm like, so we had a situation i remember way back when we had an incredible performer like in terms of they were so skillful they were in, like god's gift to design you know like they're just like amazing but there was some core value misalignment but we kept justifying like 
but they're producing and the client is happy. But, oh, yeah, we'll just overlook, like, the fact that everyone's just like, that person again is doing that thing. And it's like, and it was just like a, an infection that was in this. Um, but we're like, no, we're still running the marathon. Don't worry about that infection. It's okay. We'll just keep going. And the second we got rid of that person, eventually we're like, there is such a misalignment here. Oh, my God. It's like the whole cyst just went like, pew, boom. And it's like, it's not, it was misalignment. The, the guy is amazing. Great person. Awesome. This is not like you're a bad person. It's just misalignment. And it's like, we're not, especially if you end up with like prima donna, like in a design kind of culture, if you have too many people that it's all about me and there's an ego driven, you can't have too many of those and it uh, limits growth. And it and people who hate on that when they're much more kind of kumbaya and can work with the multiple levels of personality. And so that was like, a wake up call of like, do you fire to your core values? Do you review alignment on a regular basis? So we talk a lot about it, like an, on the onboarding and I'm like, it's also the exit ramp. Let's like call a spade. So it doesn't, um, would you say set it and forget it? What did you just call a, a business as usual? So yeah. it doesn't become business as usual. It gets like, it gets reviewed on a regular basis, part of, you know, annual reviews. And it's like, we're looking at like, does this person need to get on the exit ramp here? Yeah. Uh, it, it, what's uh, it, in, in traction? He, uh, you know, he has one tool that I like, which is the, you know, the scorecard and he goes, does they do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity to do it? Right. The get it is the core value filter, right? Do they get it right to your totally. point? Are you an organization that's a kumbaya organization? You can't have a prima donna who's sitting there like wanting to sit on it on top of the throne that everyone else is carrying but a vice versa, you might be a, I call this an assassin organization, which there's tons of them where, dude, if you're not an assassin, you're not going to enjoy working there. And yes. the assassins, like they don't mind. There's no honor among thieves. They're cool with the fact that everyone's going to backstab them because they're going to backstab. And yeah. you just got to deal with the side effects of that. And as long as you know that that's what, what you, you are have. in an organization, own, choose it. own that yeah. shit. You know. I mean, just to be specific with this person, I was just like the last kind of button on it because I kind of forgot this detail. Part of the prima donna-ness was like, I only want to work with primo, the primo clients we're getting. I don't want to work with these clients. We're like, um, yeah, maybe we we'll try to filter you, but like we've got work, we've got our organization around. I'm not going to like give you only, I'm going to go and hunt specific kill for you to like serve you on a nice platter. I'm like, you work with us. Like we're not, we're not like serving. It was just like, this is getting ridiculous. And so yeah. it, it, it's, well, it's, and, and it just goes to the fact, and you said it is there. I don't think they're, you know, very rarely are there bad people. There's just bad fits. Right. Absolutely. And, and, it, and, and our, and I used to say this to my partners, I said, like when we fired people, uh, even if they worked at, and we, and mine's blue collar finance. Right. Uh, I would say, look, even when we fire people, I'd say, look, if they're there for a week and we fire them, we owe them severance. And they'd say, what do you mean? Like, what if they stole from us? So I said, it's our fault for hiring them. We should have done a better job of vetting who they are as a per person. We own, we have, a, we own that responsibility, you know, Good for you. Wow. So, That's and, amazing. And, and there was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, a negotiation because, because they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, they didn't do us well. We did them well. I said, no, no, no. We owe it to them and their family to vet them to make sure they're going to be a good fit for us. Yeah. No. So that, and, that became and, and a, in the short window. That looks like that seems like a bad business decision. And what it does is, it's like it, it really deepens your commitment to onboarding the right people. Like if you're going to like, let's let, let, let's not, 
let's just hire people because they're like, oh, we need them today. Like, are they really for tomorrow? Are they us? Are they we? Um, that's amazing. What I thought you were going to say, which is a much smaller thing, which we used to do, and we meant it. And it sounded like when we would, when people would leave the company, um, we just, we said we were liberating their future. Like this container for them isn't we it's not working like this is not they aren't bad people they have some other they need more alignment to dave rendell's thing like they need an environment where they're more in alignment of who they are and they will flourish and blossom but this is like this is clearly not working and so we're doing each of us a favor by doing this you know it's not totally. it sounds so harsh to some people that are so like you know I'm being fired. And it's like, really? No, we're liberating your future. Like, yeah, this yeah. you're not, not, you're not going to crush it here. So let's, let's not. make it work because I want you to do, and I just says, I look, I want them to do really well. It's not going to work here, you know, and yeah. this is the wrong environment for them, given what we value and, and how they're performing within that, that structure. And I think underneath that, that, that I realize now that, that there's got to be an abundance mindset. There's like, if there's a scarcity mindset, like they're not going to get another job we're not going to find another person. Like if you come from a scarcity mindset, that that's why this sounds like you crazy man. Like, but if you have an abundance mindset, like there is places for all of that. There's all, there's enough for all of that to happen. Um, then you can navigate through that in that generous kind of view of the world. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think, yeah, I agree hundred and ten percent. We're, we're running into the last couple minutes here. Cool. Um, and and a, there's a hard stop at the top of the hour, but, um, yeah. Uh, look, I love, I, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, it, it, your question around people like picking the values and leaning into them on the future. I don't think we have time for that, but, um, what, what I, I, I was going to say this, uh, to that. And, and why don't you ask the question you asked me earlier and I'll, and I'll give you a quick answer and maybe we'll do a part yeah. two and we could dive. Yeah. So I think there's this aspect of like, I now know my core values and there's these know keegan talks about competing commitment i think it's keegan competing commitments where it's like now i've laid out all these values but you it you you can't hit a hundred percent there's at times like family is in odds with some other thing you know at some point they kind of rub and what i've noticed with some people in coaching is that they they have their go-to values that they kind of use all the time at the expense of others i'm in that right now health and wellness core value uh, kind of getting trumped by other stuff and almost like as the other ones get energy, I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, and I, I, I feel like I'm over lumping onto some of my core values. And so I just curious, like th thoughtfully how you deal with like the competition, the, 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 the sometimes in, in decisions where there almost feels it experiences like this incongruence of I can't have both right now. Like it's like one tends to want to get more. And I don't know if that's a real situation, but it feels like that. So I just, how, how to use core values amongst each other is I'm curious about tools and thoughtfulness about how to do that. So Bob Glazer mentions this around the hierarchy of values, right? Which I think is, is kind of this idea around competing values too. Um, and you talked about the CEO and founder of WD40, I think talks about this hierarchy of values. I, I actually kind of just build a box and say, okay, let's say I got, so for me, I think there's two parts, building a box and knowing I don't, I don't need a hundred percent balance. I need 20% balance. So for my number six values balance, um, 
I don't need uh, 100% creativity. I need about 15% creativity, which is my number four value. Curiosity is just kind of always there. Happiness is a result of this stuff. Love is is, is an important one. I want to pour into that. That's my number two core value. I want to put, and passion, it kind of happens as well if I'm pouring into these things. So for me, it's kind of deciding how much you want to give. And then I'll finish with this and, I, and then I want to close yeah. out because I, uh, I want to yeah. tell people where they can find you is knowing the pendulum swings. And when I'm falling, to, and this is a walk the talk practice, when I'm falling out of a balanced one, I pour back into the other one to bring mm. it back and knowing that it's a pendulum and I got to fight to make them true. I always say you got to fight to make core values be true. Um, mm. And some come easier than others. So for me, it's I'm a 70-30 creative capitalist. And if I don't give my 30% to creativity, then I don't feel whole. And if I don't give my 70% to capitalism, I'm not happy. So that, 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 that's kind of the way I think about it. And that's what I've been doing since my exit is really playing with that. And that's, that's, that's tending to work from cool. what I can see. Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, t- Tony, uh, we got to wrap it up here. Why don't we tell everybody where you can, fi- where they can find you and uh, loved having you on the show, brother. Yeah. So the best way is just on my uh, kind of, main website that funnels out is at my last name lilios.com so it's l-i-l-l-i-o-s.com and you can kind of find out all about me and how to connect with me there um yeah awesome brother man dude i want to do a part two do you want to do a part two with me i would totally be into that and i'll fix my audio video this is such a crazy video situation right now yeah you guys (laughs) so much fun man we we, uh tony uh, tony i really appreciate you brother and i'm looking forward to the next time we get to hang out together cool See you, everybody. Peace out. We love you guys. See ya. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode, you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. 
There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.